Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about the movies Cujo and Pet Cemetery, which are both adaptations of Stephen King novels. First, let's catch up. Mackenzie, what are you what have you <laughs> been watching, listening to, reading, thinking about? So I watched for the first time Personal Shopper with Kristen Stewart. Um, a couple weeks ago, and it's been out for a while now, but and I've always like been meaning to watch it, but it, I just noticed it, it's on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. So I finally watched it, and it was incredible, and it's like now one of my favorite movies ever. It's, <sighs> I have it's, to see it. You have to. It's so good. It's like, I've watched Clouds of Sils Maria. Uh-huh. Wait, is that what it is? Yeah. I, well, by the same director, Olivia Sias. <laughs> What is see, it? I was actually thinking about saying his name like a few seconds ago, and then I was like, "I'm just not gonna." I think it's I think it's like Olivier Assayasse. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Assayasse. Um, and I was like, I liked it, but so it's okay for us to make. I was underwhelmed. Like I feel like I had really high expectations for Clouds of Souls Maria, and they just didn't meet that. But Personal Shopper was so i was surprised at how good it was it was like incredible i could have watched it again like immediately the next day i just loved it so much now i'm worried i'm like hyping it up too much for you no not at all because it's like i I mean it's like all kristen stewart pretty much and she just like delivers and it's so spooky it's about ghosts i love it i loved clouds of souls maria so i think i'll love it yeah okay good it's like if you loved Kristen Stewart and Clouds of Souls Maria, you'll love this because it's just all her. I loved think she's it. great. Yeah. I'm like so excited for the new Charlie's Angels now because I'm like a big Kristen Stewart stand now because of Personal Shopper. I just think she's and Twilight. great. I just, I'm so excited for us to do Twilight on the show. I'm I like, know. Oh my really God. really excited. That'd be so fun. Okay. What uh, else are you into? Okay. So I also just listened to on Audible the book Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it's about the first son, like the president's son of America (laughs) and (laughs) the prince of England or Wales falling in love. And it's so freaking cute. They like are it's such a funny book, too. Like, it's really well written. And the narrator on Audible was really good at delivering all the lines. Like, at first, I was kind of like, I feel like with audible if it's like a guy narrating it usually takes me a while to like warm up to him but this guy was like really funny Mm -hmm. and um i'm not sure like how the humor would have come across in the book like reading it but the narrator did a really good job um and part of the fantasy is that trump was never elected and instead a woman democrat was elected from texas and has like a mixed race family because the uh, her ex husband was she's st- a divorced Democrat from Texas and she's president and her ex husband was Mexican and so the Alex is the president's son and um, Henry is the prince and honestly the way they ended it, it there could be sequels so Ugh, I mean and I'm Amazon's making it into a movie. I was just gonna ask. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, third thing I'm into is this new show on Netflix called Carol on Tuesday, and it's about a not so distant future with it on Mars and two girls 
meet and become besties and start a band together. And oh, um, on Mars, yeah, on Mars. It, I feel like it, that doesn't really have much to do with it, but um, <laughs> one of them, Carol, is a refugee from Earth, and she lives alone. In she has no family, and she lives alone in Alba City, and she plays the piano. Um, and then she meets Tuesday, who ran away from her home on Mars in like this mm-hmm. mansion and she runs to Alba City and she plays the guitar and the, all the songs are really good. I'm like obsessed with all the music. There's like at one point at the end of the show they like go on this um it's like an American Idol type show and mm-hmm. one of the and final contestants is basically like FK Twigs. It's so funny. It's, they look like the same and the music is even sort of similar. And the way that she like moves her body is also the same. It's also an anime. <laughs> I was leaving that to the end <laughs> because I wanted people to not so judge surprised. it for that. <laughs> but it's by I was the same ask pe- when you said FK Twigs, but <laughs> <laughs> but um it's by the same people who did Cowboy Bebop, so it's really oh, good. very nice. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. What are you into, Bridget? Um, on Friday and Saturday night, I binged the new Netflix show, Unbelievable, which was just released. It's based on this true story uh, and, and also an article by ProPublica, which I highly recommend everyone reads, um, about this young girl who um, is raped and then her she is forced to recant um, her claim of being raped. And she's actually even brought to court uh, for false reporting. And it's told concurrently with this other story of these two um, women detectives who are trying to catch a serial rapist in Colorado. So the main story is about this girl, Caitlin, who's played by Caitlin Dever in Washington, um, kind of experiencing all of this isolation and, um, uh, you know, like terrible disruption of her life because of being disbelieved about her rape. And then these two women in Colorado trying to catch this serial rapist and the two stories connect. And it felt really special to watch because um, not only were there a lot of women behind the scenes, but there's so many true crime sh- uh, shows and just stories about male detectives. Like I'm thinking most predominantly of true detective and like the trope of a dead girl TV show where it starts with the discovery of a dead girl's body and then it's a male detective trying to figure out what happened to her. Mm -hmm. But this instead was about like a, a a victim who's still alive Mm -hmm. and is like the after effects of a, like a terrible attack on her life and about two women who are trying to protect other women. And for those reasons, it felt so special to watch. Mm-hmm. And I like cried all throughout it. I had to fast forward through some scenes cause it was so like emotionally difficult to watch, oh. but I'm just really happy it exists and that it's out there and I couldn't recommend it enough. And I also really liked, so the two detectives are played by, um, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver and they're both amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like that. Um, I think in a, I can't help but compare it to True Detective too, mm-hmm. where like men are so like competitive or like bullish towards each other. These women still like aren't best friends, mm-hmm. but they like are able to understand each other and like work together in a way that's best for the case involved. Uh, and that's there's cool. no like weird, dark, edgy twist to any either of them. But they're yeah. still like ex- like fu- like believable and interesting to watch anyway can't recommend it enough loved it the hell out of it thought it was amazing i hope they make it into like an anthology series uh it's just cool to finally watch i don't know stories being told like that 
on a different note, I'm also into watching Bachelor in Paradise. Um, I don't know. I just love it. I think it's just fun, stupid fun. Um, I have not much to expand upon that. But if you want to just turn off your brain, Bachelor in Paradise is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read this book recently that I thought was really amazing um, called Motherhood by Sheila Hetty. And it's um, kind of like a fictional memoir where the character in it is named Sheila, but it's not about her. I'm kind of confused about that. I kept reading okay. interviews where I was like, what? But anyway, it's, <laughs> this whole, it's the whole book is about this writer's decision on whether or not she wants to have children. And it was so brilliantly written. And I'm a person who went into it, ran into reading it thinking like, I'm like 90% sure I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And it like really disrupted a lot of like my thoughts and preconceptions about that. Um, mm. Yeah. It's, it was really powerful. I really recommend it. Wow. Yeah. I saw you, like bark it on goodreads and i was like oh i should read that it was really good it's, it might fuck you up a little it's crazy yeah especially me and, who is like ambivalent no percent sure yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it it definitely will make you think some thoughts <laughs> for sure the point she makes in it is basically like um like women don't really get get any agency or like credibility or experience until their thirties. And then it's like, well then you're supposed to have a kid then. And it takes you back to zero for agency. Yeah. Anyway, fun, fun read, fun beach read. Are you ready to (laughs) dive into more Stephen King? Yes. So the first movie we're talking about is Cujo, uh, from 1983. Cujo is a sweet St. Bernard and certified good boy who lives on a rundown farm with his family, the Cambers. When a bat bites him and infects him with rabies, Cujo goes on a wild, bloodthirsty rampage. Caught in his crosshairs are Donna Trenton and her young son, Tad, who are trapped by Cujo in their broken-down Ford Pinto. Donna has just ended an affair with her ex-boyfriend from high school and her marriage is on thin ice. Fighting with a gigantic rabid dog is the last thing she needs, but she finds the resolve to save her son and herself. <laughs> that was good. Thank I you. like how you started it with like the perspective of Cujo. <laughs> and then I switched to Donna. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how the movie starts. Yeah, you're um, right. <laughs> you got some good Cujo cam action where yeah. he's just goofing around, running around. Chasing a not scary. wild rabbit. Yeah, Mackenzie, uh, rabbit expert over here. <laughs> That is a fun to try. You should put that on IMDb trivia. Yeah. <laughs> the rabbit in this film, not a wild rabbit. <laughs> and then he gets bitten uh, by, and it takes him like a few days for this rabies to cook. I had a lot of questions about the science behind rabies so, by watching this. Ra- yeah, rabies, ta- I think it could take like up, like up to 50 days. Holy shit. To like set. At least I think that's with humans. It takes anywhere from like twenty five to fifty days, I think. Oh my god! But you but need you get can the shot like right away, right? To yeah, you need it. to get the shot like within twenty four hours. And I think that with dogs, like I was looking up like how long it takes to die. Like I don't know, if, and it's like ten days you can die. Oh, like so, within 10 oh, okay, because I kept wondering. I was like, when is Cujo gonna fucking die? Yeah, yeah. So that I kept wondering that too. So that's why I looked it up. But I don't know if that's like from getting bit or from when it like sets in i don't know yeah well it was sad i i, I did feel for cujo it's hard me this too very good i think but the main structure of it is hard just because like i think as 
we're inclined to like root for dogs in yeah. movies, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't scared. Like I couldn't be scared of Kuja really. Like if it was a raccoon. Yes. Oh. Can you imagine? That would have been so scary. Wow. It would have been a raccoon would have been pretty scary. You know, have you ever heard that? I think there's the like a American story. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About that woman getting attacked by a raccoon. Yep. Scary. I was thinking about that this whole time because Donna keeps like eyeing this bat and is like, I'm going to be Cujo with the bat. But I was like, okay, Girl. first of all, that wouldn't work. You have to, like, I was thinking about that NPR story. It's like and a zombie like, almost. She had to like get a knife and like stab it, I think, to like, they were beating it with a bat, the raccoon in this, oh, this yeah. story they like she could not get it off they had to get a knife i'm pretty sure yeah 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 the, she said that her like husband and son this is about this woman who's attacked by a raccoon yeah they, like, <laughs> they, like hit it like 40 times and it, it's, yeah they're like they're it's basically like having uh be, being a zombie you yeah know? Like, the virus makes you so one one-minded and uh determined um dang yeah uh so the the movie, I was surprised by, I was like, okay, this is going to be like an hour of Donna in a car, but it yeah. takes like, a, it's a good slow amount of time before they mm-hmm. get there where yeah. it's established that Donna's husband, whose name I'm forgetting, I think it's Vic maybe. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah I don't know. Uh, he's like an advertising fan who works with cereal. <laughs> yeah. Kind of dropped uh, that plot line. But yeah. she, their marriage is seemingly good, but she's been stepping out on him with mm-hmm. this hunky guy who she knows. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's never made super apparent why she's cheating on him, mm-hmm. you know? Or, like, she's never, I think, like, totally condemned by right. the perspective of the movie. Yeah. I loved that. I thought that it was such a, like, realistic... Like, the performances by both the Don- Donna yeah. and the husband. Her nameless husband. <laughs> the husband. Were, like... I thought they were really good because they were subtle and just, like, realistic in terms of, like, what could be happening in a relationship. Like, yeah. sometimes you just, like... I don't think there has to be a reason except for maybe she was like a little bored or something or just like had this attraction to this old flame. Yeah, for sure. And I I think that that's like the read, you know, it's like she had this seemingly great life and wanted like just it it was experiencing like a need for something else. And I think that like women cheating is very rarely framed like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Like she just wants something outside of what she has or Mm -hmm. the domestic sphere. Um, and yeah, I loved so that's Dee Wallace. She's the mom from E. T. And you know what? A very plays a very different type of mom in E. T. I was like, she's got the mom range because this is totally different than her. I feel performance like I've in e. never seen E. T. All the way through. Oh, you gotta watch E. T. I know. She's like, so maybe we should do E. T. Yeah, maybe we should. She's like very like kooky and like kind of like frazzled in E. T. And like she like dresses up on Halloween as a cat and is like mm-hmm. I don't know. She's really silly in it. Um, but. Yeah, so it's, she's D. Wallace's performance in this is Stephen King's favorite amongst all of the adaptations of his work, even Kathy Bates in Misery. Wow, that's uh, cool. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, she should have won an Oscar for this. Yeah, it it was so good. Like there the there was a point in um, like I think that all of the like scary stuff she did really well, but even when it was slower and it was just like her interacting with her husband, like. Like I said, mm-hmm. like the subtlety of it was just re- like so spot on. I felt, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, she was the best part of the movie for sure. Even Tag or whatever his name is, uh, Tag, 
Ted. Ted. I'm confusing him with Gage. I'm like making the name one name. One <laughs> they are the same. Name. The families in these movies are exactly the same. Just, they are. They are. Yeah. Blonde mom. Yeah. Like, like they have the same haircuts, the same hair color. They look exactly the same kind of. They really do. And the sons are similar. Yeah. I think this is a better son actor, baby actor. I think, yes, I agree. He, sh- he shined. He's, he's, he's also com- convincingly like seized like he had a seizure yeah he was a good he was a good he was like the realest kid i've seen in a movie because he was just like whiny and like just like you know like he he was a and like convincingly like scared of things he he was a very he was just being a kid he was a star (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah he was really good uh i will say Mm -hmm. the five dogs they had play Cujo could have used some acting lessons. I agree. <laughs> I love like seeing a dog in a movie and thinking like this dog doesn't know it's in a movie. It's yeah, thinking, it's hanging out and having fun with his friends. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently, they, so they used five different Saint Bernards, and like Saint Bernards are not scary dogs. No. Uh, I think this is pre Beethoven. I think Beethoven came out in the nineties. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was trying to explain Beethoven to Tim the other day because he hadn't seen it. I was like, it's about a family that gets a big dog. Yeah, that's <laughs> all. It tears apart their lives. Yeah. Um, Those are, these movies are good. Isn't one of the, the daughter's name is Rice, right? Oh, my God. I, think that- I, feel like, I feel like I'm in It Chapter 2 and memories are coming back yeah. to me. I just, I remember being like, what the fuck? Why is her name Rice? But... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to look that up. Okay. But um, yeah, like the shots, they would do close-ups of Cujo's face. And you could just tell this dog has like sweet eyes and is yeah. like just a big schmoopy giant I, yeah. good boy. Yeah, this movie, like Cujo, yeah, Cujo just wasn't scary. Oh, I have such a good photo for you to put on the Instagram, but it's <laughs> a picture of D. Wallace, a third person, and then a guy in the Cujo costume. Oh my and god! Like doing like the chorus line. Because <laughs> <laughs> there were five, be- there were five Beethovens. That's what I was going to say. There are five Saint Bernards, oh. <laughs> five Beethoven movies. Okay, and a guy in a costume that were playing Cujo. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... <laughs> So they also apparently had to tie the dog's tails down to their legs because they were wagging them so much because they were having fun. Yeah. There, I mean, there are a few shots still with, like, yeah. Kujo just wagging his tail over, like, a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> and they also said they put their dog's favorite toys inside the car. Mm-hmm. And, like, at first I was like, would that work? And then I thought of my dog, Twiggy, like, and her singular drive to get to her toys. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that would work. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she wants it that bad. Um... I, I thought we read an interesting article about killer dogs in movies that compared Cujo to dogs, which I haven't seen, and White God, which came out a couple of years ago. No, no, no. It doesn't It doesn't compare it to White God. I was confused, oh, too, it doesn't? reading it. What the no, fuck? Why did- it, it compares it to a movie called White Dog. White Dog. dog. Oh, and, shit. And okay, it's well, my reading a totally, It sounds interesting, though, because it's about a uh white dog that is trained to hate black people and only attack black people by its like racist owners and it's i from the article it sounded interesting because it was like it's like goes into like racism is something that is taught and that's like really hard it's not like something like inherent and it's like 
Oh, wow. Something. That's yeah, I don't know. It sounded interesting, but I kept thinking it was White God, too, until I read, like, what the movie was actually about, and I was like, oh, this is not. That's me just being dyslexic. Yeah, like, yeah. well, I mean, dog, God, that's hard. Similar, yeah. But but White God is Keith, good. <laughs> yeah. This writer, Keith Phipps, kind of points out that um, Stephen King uh, uses horror that comes from both the unknown, the supernatural, and then, like, horror from the familiar. And he writes that Cujo puts emphasis on the latter, horror from the familiar. And he writes, um, what after all could be more safe and comforting than the family dog? Part of what makes Cujo one of King's best books is the way King digs into the instincts that make dogs such a comfort. Their familiarity, their protectiveness, their simplicity, and shows how easily the same instincts can make dogs dangerous. Uh, and he goes on to say that the only thing that really doesn't work about Cujo is Cujo. While the idea of a ki- idea of a killer dog, to say nothing of a killer St. Bernard, is scary, the actuality of a killer dog is doubtlessly terrifying. The sight of a killer dog is tougher movies to fake for many reasons. Um, yeah. And he just goes on to say it's really hard to film a dog attack, and it, it's true. It, it, they did a good job. They, like, yeah, worked their way around it, but still. I think, like, an actual, if, like, if I was encountering an actual rabid, like, St. Bernard, I would, of course, be scared. But, like, it's just something hard to fake. Yeah. And we, Mackenzie sent me a video of a rabid fox. And they do behave, like, in a different spooky way than yeah. just being like, ah, you know. Yeah. Um, like, I like, think of in to, to Kill a Mockingbird, the rabid dog is just quietly moving down the street, kind of, it, like, jerking around. Yeah. It is more zombie-like than just, yeah. like, feral almost. Although... I mean, with the raccoon attack story, that did mm-hmm. sound like it was very Cujo-like. Wigging out, wigging out, yeah. Because it, like, chased her down and, like, yeah. wouldn't, I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah. So Someone should make a horror movie about that. They should. <laughs> I think there would be an audience for it, and that would be you. Yeah. Uh, other people would be afraid of it, too. Yeah. Oh, so this movie also had um, a lady screenwriter, Barbara Turner, the mother of Jennifer Jason Lee, which I thought probably was one of the reasons why Donna's affair and character are handled so well and yeah. refreshingly. Yeah. Um, like, she's never like, you're a slut mom mm-hmm. for cheating on your nice husband. Okay, yeah. what did you think of the ending of this movie? I liked it. I liked that um, her husband wasn't like... I, I feel like he sort of forgave her for cheating on him. Yeah. And I don't know. So I liked that they, because I think in the end she was like, oh, I do want to be with my husband. And so I was yeah. glad that she got what she wanted. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, like when a big dog attacks your family, just puts things into perspective, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was pretty abrupt though. Like they shoot Cujo and then it ends. It's just like yeah. cut to black. I But I was like sort of fine with that. I, I did like that she was like she was like a badass she just she was a badass you know? she like got bit a few times yeah i she hope was like, that she got treated for that <laughs> i know me too I was, I was nervous i was like girl you can't just get yeah have cujo slobbering in your face uh in the book the kid dies oh really yeah the kid dies and they're they get they still get back together like the, wow oh my yeah. god i yeah. i feel like if the kid had died in the movie it would be like not get back together that's rarely what ha- yeah whatever yeah. happens when families lose a kid yeah wow mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah. but good so, for them yeah yeah it was it would have been a huge bummer if the kid died in this yeah. movie yeah, 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 like, yeah oh god this does he die from just like de- dehydration like in the car yeah. yeah it's fucked up 
So here is a one-star review of Cujo. <laughs> All the screaming that goes on is basically just the typical female victim and the tip typical female victim role in most poorly done movies help help i'm all by myself and i'm very scared ridiculous take a dog bite and kill the thing the shots are painful but you don't take the chance of your kid slipping into a coma while you're doing it oh wow that movie would have been so fast if she had just killed cujo at the very beginning (laughs) yeah movie over like i was saying not it's hard to kill a rabid yeah this is a fucking big dog okay It's like, not- it killed, like, three grown men that were armed. <laughs> I want to make a theme park where men get to test out horror movies. They're, like, Ooh. the ones that they feel so confident about. Yeah. Uh, and see if they could actually do the things that they're describing. That's, I, I would 100% fund that. You know who else would probably <laughs> fund it? Margot Robbie. I feel like she would be yeah. interested in that project. I don't yeah. know why, but... I could get some funding. That could be a good, a funny movie, too. Like, VR, Ooh. virtual Ooh, reality Ooh. horror movies where... Men get to see if they are actually capable of, uh, or do they just they just they like, go into it and then it turns out it's real and they all die. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Okay. So here's the second one star review. Who the hell is scared of Beethoven? Not me. If it came down to it, I could kick a dog's ass, and that's why this movie doesn't work for me. If it was me against the alien or Jason or hell, I don't know. I can't imagine myself being terrorized by a dog, so I'm not scared. Oh. I mean. Kind of, kind of agree. A I bit. feel like her performance though is so good that you care anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like you feel her desperation. It's yeah. about. It's also about being trapped in a car. Like, yeah, and it's hot. And yeah, you have no water. Yeah, so you're gonna get a headache. Mackenzie, <laughs> <laughs> what are your final thoughts and rating for um, Cujo? You know, I like this movie a lot. Actually, I'm not mm. sure if I would like want like really be into rewatching it but i'll give it like a six i totally know what you mean yeah. uh uh I, I was like surprised by how much i liked it especially because yeah. it's one of those pieces of pop culture that you hear about a lot mm-hmm. and you have an impression of long before seeing it mm-hmm. but i thought it was like a really well done film um it was you know like pretty lean and mm-hmm. and like well edited and Mm-hmm. kept me interested and well written like the the really dynamic well written, yeah. between the husband and wife is like really good yeah really really good like the dinner scene yeah where they're like what do we talk about now yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i really really liked it I was happily surprised i'll give it a, a loving five because mm-hmm. i don't think i would necessarily like watch it again either yeah uh yeah and so now we're on to our next movie pet cemetery a d- different family <laughs> Um, when the Creed family move into a new home in Ludlow, Maine, their new house is dangerously close to a busy road frequented by large trucks, and it also borders a pet cemetery. For generations, children in Ludlow have used the pet cemetery to commemorate their fallen furry friends. But just beyond the pet's graves lies a place where the ground is sour and all who are buried there rise again. Dr. Lewis Creed, the patriarch of the family, learns about the magic of the land from their neighbor, Judd. And he cannot help but try it out when his daughter's cat is killed on the road. When the baby of the family, Gage, is similarly struck and killed by a truck, Lewis is so bereft that he returns to the graveyard once again. Um, was this your first time seeing this? No, I've seen it, I think, like, two other times, actually. Yeah, maybe. me too. So this movie was directed by Mary Lambert, too. It's kind of um, unusual for a, like, classic horror movie like this to have a woman director. 
Uh, it's one that I see cited a lot. And she had been in music videos before. She did the Like a Virgin music video. Oh, wow. So she's, like, pretty well established. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of a bummer. She did the sequel as well, which people love the sequel. People say the sequel's better. Oh, like wow. It's, like, fun, more fun and, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had wanted the sequel to be about the daughter of the Creed's, Ellie, mm-hmm. who's kind of psychic. And she returns to... Ludlow, Maine, as an adult. Sorry, I'm finding this. She said, this is Mary Lambert. Um, I would still like to make that Ellie story, though. It would have been about a young woman coming back to Maine to discover what happened to her parents. If you remember what her grandparents are like, they would not have brought her back to Maine. They didn't like Lewis. They didn't like Maine. And Ellie would not have gone back till she was older. So I thought it'd be really cool to have her come back and bring her cat. I had this whole idea, because I love cats, that there would be a community of feral cats there. And the community wanted to get rid of the feral cats. Um, so... Yeah, it's sad that she had this idea for a sequel that was kind of, she thinks it didn't uh, get made because they didn't want a female protagonist. Yeah. Is she still, like, doing stuff? Is she still... Yeah, she's still doing stuff. She's producing a lot of stuff. She's working on, I think, something about, like, Scary Mermaids. Ooh. Which is very cool. She should make the sequel now. People would like it now, I feel like. Or they would like it always, but people would give her money Mm. for it now, I feel like. For sure. Especially with that crappy remake that just came out yeah did you watch that no did you i had no i didn't but i had heard it was kind of stinky okay i, I want to see it but yeah i want yeah i think that they changed the ending um, oh so this movie ends with um the entire family dies right except for ellie right well yeah yep mm-hmm. yeah it has a gross ending uh the mom yeah. is buried and comes back and uh her face is falling apart and There's like give- a goo oozing from her eye, uh, like spurting. Yeah. It's like I was a like spurt. she just was buried and she was only hung. Like I don't know if she would have decomposed that fast. I don't think she was. I'm pretty. I I bet Gage like ate her face a bit. Ew. You know, because he did that yeah. to Judd. Oh, you're right. So this movie has an even worse problem than Cujo with trying to make something that's not scary, scary, and it's a small child. Yeah. <laughs> like a like a toddler. I know. Think like that once our review that was like, I could kick a dog's ass. I was like, I could kick that toddler's ass. Like, like, like I know. When he's like the grown man is like fighting with the gauge. I'm oh like, okay, God. like just you can like use one hand to yeah, restrain him. It's, it's clear that they, are, they have like a little person playing him in some shots. Oh, they know? do? Yeah, I think so. And then it cuts to like the toddler. That makes oh, sense. My God. I guess, yeah. What kind of name is Gage? My so my best friend's first boyfriend was named Gage in oh. high school. So that's what I think of every time because he was like the first like boy that I was ever around. Because wow. he was like the first boy, the first Gage. boyfriend in the friend group. I guess I would have made so many jokes. I would have been like, "Can anybody Gage?" <laughs> The dist. I don't, that's not a good joke, but that's what you get for being named Gage. It's weird to um, see like a baby named that, though. Like, yeah, I don't for know. sure. Um, I this is a spoiler for the new movie, but they have the daughter die instead, so she can be a taller, right, larger protagonist. Uh, yeah, villain. <laughs> yeah. That honestly kind of makes sense because yeah, yeah. The baby. I mean, it's it is creepy to hear his like laughter. Yeah, and I creepy. actually, this movie did scare me, to be honest. Like, I, there, there are a lot of good jump scares, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. Um, 
I think that uh, I really like the effects as well. I think like mm-hmm. Victor Pascoe, who's the student that Lewis is unable to save at his job, um, who haunts him throughout the film, mm-hmm. is like really well done and like yeah. very spooky. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that like the there's yeah there's the pet some- cemetery itself is like sh- like shot in a very scary way and mm-hmm. the like uh like light coming through the brambles is very scary mm-hmm. um so the the this movie is uh, interesting to contrast with cujo because i feel like the story is more complex but the acting is worse like oh, yeah. the characters are given more to do but do not do it well yeah like at all it's very bad it's very the bad. dad is so bad. They're yeah. both bad. They're both, but really the dad bad. is really bad. Yeah, the dad is just like handsome. He like can't act beyond his handsomeness. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, funny because they look exactly the same as the Cujo as yeah. the Cujo couple, but are just so bad. It's like just putting it into the comp- comparison is even like worse for them because they look the same. And like the mom is played is like kind of unhinged. And she yeah. gets a backstory to, like, slightly explain that, but she just seems crazy. Like, the dad is trying to explain to the daughter, Ellie, about, like, the circle of life and, <laughs> like, how church is going to get neutered or whatever. Yeah. And the mom is like, tell her that the cat will be okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's, like, very overly protective of her kids, which is just, like, infuriating, I feel like, to me. Like, I hate yeah. when parents are like that. So I think the scariest part of this movie is probably that the mom in flashbacks and hauntings has this sister named Zelda who dies of spina bifida? No. Spi- they they say spinal meningitis. Spinal in, meningitis. In the movie, which is not what... She has. Yeah. It's like spinal meningitis, I think, is something... You like die in like 24 hours. It's not like this long, prolonged... Oh, my like, God. I don't think it's like... Uh, yeah i was trying to look it up and i feel like it's not i don't know why they said that um uh this person named gwen has no last name for whatever reason on horror homeroom wrote about the use of zelda who's the sick sister um and she i really like this she said on a visceral level the audience is prepped to align with the normal sister rachel who's the mom Rachel tells the tale of being an eight-year-old girl serving as the caregiver to the twisted body of her screaming, soup-sucking, degenerate sister. The audience sympathizes not with the secret sick child, but with the burden placed on Rachel. The fact that Rachel's husband in the audience aligns with Rachel proves an interesting idea. Zelda serves as a mirror reflecting back what we see as horrific. It's not just her physical appearance, but it is her marring the perception of a perfect family and her burden on others that makes her so horrifically memorable. And it's true. It's like, it's, she should be sad, but, Mm -hmm. and it's like a weird use of someone with like an illness but they make her into like this horrific mangled she's played by a grown man that Mm -hmm. because they wanted her to look really scary and she's the scariest part of the movie to me yeah i think so too especially when she keeps coming back to rachel and those flashbacks and like Mm -hmm. and rachel starts like kind of hallucinating and seeing her Mm -hmm. in like judd's house and in her house yeah and she is very like stooped and just like the like i think in one article we read they described her like a scarecrow yeah yeah which is pretty scary and i would be interested to see how the remake handles her because i think like inherently she's kind of problematic yeah um definitely and i don't know if there's a way around that 
um, to make her so scary like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird that, like, me watching this movie when I was, like, looking at the depiction of Zelda and hearing Rachel talk about her experience with them, I was like, wow, like, Rachel should be sort of, like, ashamed that she felt so repulsed repulsed by her right and then the husband was like wow i'm so mad that you had to put up with her or something and i was like wait what i thought they were like trying to do something subversive where it's like i don't know it was like like she's felt guilty or shame yeah yeah it's it's weird they're just a weird couple that make no sense to me yeah like no chemistry yeah exactly that's another thing they have no chemistry like at all it's like they're strangers the daughter is a funny weird little performance yeah uh (laughs) you said she looked like an old woman she does look like an old and her name's ellen i don't know like (laughs) ellen she is also kind of psychic and they hint at this in the book too like she has premonitions about her dad dying and like sets off her mom going back to maine to check on him which is cool i like that stephen king is like yeah i'll throw in a psychic little girl here yeah like season the pot yeah um she's also like a little annoying though she's very annoying yeah okay yeah she's very annoying like oh church yeah um tim and i've always wanted to get a black kitten and name it church that'd be very cute it's supposed to be a black cat but black cats are so hard to film in movies that no one really ever uses them well i liked that it was i just thought it was it's like a scott isn't like a scottish Russian, Russian blue? Russian blue. I believe. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so I cute. A it big is book really of cat cute. breeds. Yeah, it's a cute cat. And it works well, I think, <laughs> like, with the eyes. <laughs> I was just like, thinking, what? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about when it throws the rat into the bath. That was the scariest the part of the movie for me. That was <laughs> the... Hey, I had to look away. I couldn't I'm watch like, it. A church is a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she becomes a dick. Oh, uh, my God. It's weird that he kills church, too. I'm like, like in the middle of the climax, he's like, I'm going to take some time out to kill this fucking cat. Yeah. You know? I like, think his he's wife just is- like, I had to write this. Yeah, sort of. But then he just goes and makes the same mistake and tries to bring back Rachel. You know who's the secret villain of the movie? The dad? Judd. No, Judd. Yeah, because he tricks him into... <laughs> he's, just, he's like a meddling old man who's like, I shouldn't tell you about this, but yeah. you can uh, bring people back to life over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Secret secret villain. He like just wants chaos. Yeah. He's he, a like, lonely old man. He has been alone for too long, and he's like, I just need some entertainment. So he <laughs> is like, look, you can bring back your cat. I'm going to trick you into bringing back your cat. Yeah. Oh, it's really bad. You shouldn't do it. But well, he doesn't even tell him that. He's just like, "Come bury your cat oh, here yeah. and see what happens. It'll be a surprise." <laughs> it's a fun little jaunt we're taking. Yeah. yeah really weird. Um, I liked this article by Ethan Warren on Brightwall Dark Room called "These Corruptible Vessels," where he compares Pet Cemetery to Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like about the futility of trying to like recreate life or prolong life in the face of death, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, this is another one of Stephen King's properties where he uses like Native American folklore a lot, mm. and he does this in it chapter two as well, yep. mm-hmm. um, and a little bit in The Shining. It's something he returns to a lot. Yeah, uh, and I'd love to read more about that because it right. is a little like ugh, it's cringy. Yeah, like exoticizing. It would be like, can you imagine if someone was like the Catholics believe? 
I guess I guess they do that. In well, some people movies, even but... about Midsummer, people were like the whatever. The, what is it like Sweden? I don't know where yeah. wherever they are. They're like they're gonna be mad that they're talking like that. Yeah. That they're making the this like cultural thing so horrifying, and it's like okay, well, hmm. I guess I, like all religions to an extent have been used like that in different um, horror settings, you know. Because uh, I guess like religions are kind of spooky and creepy. I guess across but the board, it's, like, it's still not fair. It's, it's still to use this like marginalized, right? One, yeah, rather exactly. Than a movie about an exorcism, you know? Right. Yeah, because it's like, like with Midsummer, it's like okay, well, those people weren't all killed in like a genocide, so yeah, it, ooh, exactly. <laughs> um, that's a good point. And especially, it's it's like with like native american like i guess like rituals or just like culture i guess i don't know i'm gonna sound like an idiot but it's like people are so nowadays into like co-opting it for their own like white spiritual journey or mm-hmm. whatever that it's like i don't know it's, it's just especially like, cringy yeah because of that um yeah so i mean and then stephen king also like famously doesn't ever know how to use like people of color in his works when they do appear Mm-hmm. Um, which is a huge shortcoming on his part. Yeah, uh, I like this movie though, as, as like hokey as it is at times, as poorly acted as it is. <laughs> I still think the premise is fun, and um, that it does tap into like a good sad story about grief. Yeah, because um, I mean, it is like when uh, Gage is hit by the car, it is like. Uh, like pretty heartbreaking and then the the funeral scene where the grandpa like gets in a fight with the dad and the coffin falls is like knocked over and it just bounced the the lid like bounces up and it shows gage's hand like bouncing i was like dang that's like i don't know i loved that shot yeah that was really spooky very like poignant it was it was it did touch upon like grief i feel like in a good yeah. way but the rest of the movie is so like silly and ridiculous yeah but it, i like hard. it <laughs> I, I i like it too and it's it's a it's a good watch so this is a one-star review of pet cemetery i watched it alone in the dark at night for maximum effect i slept like gage would have before he was killed like a baby Apart from some impressively well-shadowed nightmare scenes, the quality of the narrative and connections between the characters left me as unsettled as the ghost of Proskow. He means Proskow, but I like that this guy like wrote like a very literary review where he was like, I was like the baby. I was as unsettled as a ghost. Yeah. It just, it didn't, the review didn't make sense to me that much. I don't know. This is the other one. Uh, now let's talk about the title cemetery that's not how you spell it i'm sorry mr king but you can't re-spell words to suit your story it doesn't work that way this guy is really that's like i mean to be fair they don't really like i guess you see that the kids have spelled it that way but i don't know that wouldn't be apparent if you were just like what is this yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i well that's i i guess i was a little confused when i like first heard about the movie i was like why are they spelling it like this but once you know, you the it, town, you know the town yeah the town i grew up in has a pet cemetery i think we've been there together yeah right? we have yeah it's really cool it's very cool it's very sad though because yeah. it's all of these um tombstones with like people's 
conscriptions to their dogs and cats and stuff. Yeah. It's really sad. It's not nearly as scary as the one in Pet Cemetery. True. Which but is I've just like cobbled to, together. To bury anything there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I thought that this movie has such a weird abrupt ending with the Ramon song. I liked it. I, it kind of like, because the whole to- movie, you're sort of like, okay, this is sort of ridiculous in in some ways. Like this toddler, this like toddler with the like, in this like weird dress and top hat with like, a, like it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and then it just like cuts, they're both dead. And then there's the, the song. I was like, yeah, okay. it's fun. I was like, okay, this is this new movie knew what I was doing. I think new horror movies need to lean into being campy more if they're not going to be able to pull off. Yeah. Like, being serious and dark. Yeah, I agree. And this movie did it well, I think. Like, I think mm-hmm. I liked it more than I remembered liking it This for this mm-hmm. rewatch. It is it is an enjoyable watch. Uh, yeah. What would you rate it? Well, you go first. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. I, didn't. Um, I think I'd give it a five. I think it has, like, uh, I don't know. It's, like, so familiar. And I do enjoy the story. And I really loved the book, which I thought was, like, one of Stephen King's scariest. Um, I'd be interested to see the remake. But mm-hmm. this movie, to me, like despite its flaws is still like fun to watch and enjoyable. Yeah. And I would, I would rewatch. Yeah. Um, I think, you? I think I'm going to rate it the same as Cujo a six. And mm-hmm. I like it. I think they sort of like even out each other. Cause they're, I like them both on the same level, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think Cujo, what I liked so much about it was the like, performances and the dynamic between the um couple but in this movie what i liked about it was like the opposite i liked the scare which did not Mm -hmm. land in cujo at all for me really but this Mm -hmm. one they did um they were i i liked them a lot and it did lean into like the campiness more which i liked so Mm -hmm. that's how i liked it cool um it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you, you get your podcasts. Uh, <laughs> sound like a nervous kid. The podcast star. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Um, our next episode is going to air on September 23rd, and it will be a Chicklet mini episode about it. Chapter two. <laughs> Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovella and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creek Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Chick Flicks. Bye.